Hi, welcome to this edition of Wait a Week Mystery. I'm your host and author, J.C. Bodden, and in this week's podcast, I'll be sharing with you another chapter from my novel, Someone to Watch Over Me. If you like what you hear and can't wait a week for the next installment, Someone to Watch Over Me, as well as the other three books in the Devil and O'Quinn mystery series, is available in both Kindle and paperback format from Amazon. You can check out my website, jcbodden.com, that's j-c-b-o-d-d-e-n.com, for more information, as well as the link to my Amazon page. Now, let's not wait any longer. Here we go with episode 127, Someone to Watch Over Me, chapter 27, Alarm. Jenny's Story There was a loud clanging, and I woke up with a start. I snatched up my phone and said hello. The clanging continued. I fumbled for the clock on the nightstand. 3.48. Confused, I grabbed my blue jeans, stumbling as I pulled them on, and stepped into the hallway. The noise was from the newly installed emergency door alarms, which had been tied into the fire alarm system of the dorm. Residents all along the hallway were opening their doors, peering up and down the hall. I started motioning them to head to the stairs. Let's go! It's the fire alarm! I called, yelling to be heard over the electronic noise. I hurried down the hall, checking in each open door that everyone was out. I smelled the air, trying to tell if there was really a fire. After I was sure all the women on my hall were out, I ran down the stairs, nearly deaf from the incessant clanging of the alarm. In the lobby, women milled around, not wanting to go outside in the cold with nothing on but their sleepwear. I pushed my way to the doors and urged the woman out into the night. Let's go! We don't know if this is a real fire! We can't stay inside! The women grumbled and shuffled out the doorway. I scanned the crowd for Wagner, knowing he had been on the night duty. He was at the bottom of the stairs, directing the women outside. Do you think everyone heard the alarm? I asked, my hands over my ears. How could they not? Wagner yelled back. In the night air, the fire department sirens could be heard, faint at first but growing steadily louder, soon competing with the alarm inside the dorm. I started to tremble, not only from the cold, but nervous that there actually was a fire in the old dorm. I knew it wouldn't take much for the entire structure to be completely engulfed. I looked for women from each of the six different halls. Find everyone from your hall. Make sure everyone is out. Residents started milling around, looking for friends and hallmates. As the first fire engine pulled up, Samantha stepped beside me. Is everyone out? I asked. But I could tell from the look on her face that she had something to say. What? Who's missing? It's not that. I, I don't think it's a real fire, Jenny. She had to yelp to be heard over the alarm and sirens. I don't think so either, but we can't be sure. Well, I'm pretty sure. Samantha hesitated. What? One of the girls had her boyfriend over tonight, and and she tried to sneak him out the back door. My fear turned to anger. Shit, the emergency door alarms were just installed today. Yeah, I know, Samantha answered, and then she giggled nervously. It's kind of funny if you think about it, she said with a shrug. Yeah, real funny. I bet these firefighters won't think it's very funny. God, those doors are marked clearly. I looked around at the fire trucks and firefighters pouring out of them. Well, I guess I'll go tell the chief. The fire chief insisted on inspecting the entire dorm, even after I explained the situation to him. That meant that the women stood outside in the cold for another half an hour. 
When he did allow us all to go back in, he made us stay in the lobby so he could deliver a lecture. Ladies, he said, standing on the landing of the stairs, solemnly studying the sea of sleepy and mildly annoyed faces. Someone apparently pushed open the back emergency door and set off this alarm, even though there wasn't a fire. This is very serious. It would be bad all around if we were here on false alarm and someone else in town really needed us. He looked around at the women and pushed his helmet back on his head. Okay, y'all go back to bed and don't let anything like this happen again. The residents trudged back to their rooms, many grumbling. I walked out to the truck with the chief. Thanks, sir. I'm sorry about that. We just had the doors tied to, into the alarm system today. They were used to being able to sneak in and out through those back doors. The chief stopped. Aren't you Devlin O'Quinn's daughter? Yes, sir. I'd recognize that red hair anywhere. Tell your dad I said hi. And keep these young ladies under control, will ya? He winked as he climbed into his truck. After all the women had cleared the lobby, I sat down at the front desk beside Wagner. Wow, that was a mess. Yeah, Chief Sullivan is pretty pissed. I am too. My ears are still ringing. I don't appreciate being scared half to death in the middle of the night, not to mention having to stand around in the freezing cold. Wagner tugged my hand. You do look cold. It's cold outside. Wagner kissed me. A deep kiss. How's that feel? I pushed away from him, somehow both annoyed and aroused. Better. Thanks. Then I had to stifle a yawn. Well, you're welcome, I guess, Miss Sleepyhead. I'm sorry, Wagner, but it's four in the morning. Go upstairs. I'll talk to you tomorrow. He grinned and swatted me on the rear. Upstairs, things were settling back down after all the excitement. I pulled off my jeans and crawled back into bed. I still had goosebumps, although I wasn't sure if they were from the cold or Wagner's kiss. It didn't feel like I slept at all between then and the time my alarm went off. Joe's Story On his way home from work Wednesday evening, Travis and several other guys from the firehouse stopped for a drink at a small off-campus pub. With little to offer in the way of atmosphere, it was not one frequented by students, which was just the way Travis and his buddies liked it. As they congregated around a booth in the back, Travis stepped to the bar to order the first round. He was surprised to see Joe sitting at the bar, nursing a beer. Hey, man, Travis said as he slapped his old friend on the back. What's up? Joe, startled, took a moment to answer. Nothing. Travis blinked, taken back by his sullen tone. Want to join us? Joe glanced around at the other firefighters already laughing and setting up a game of pool. Nah, y'all have fun. Travis took the round of beer over to the booth and then returned with his mug, sliding onto the stool beside Joe. This is the first time I've seen you in here. You say something? Joe asked gruffly, turning to face Travis. This is the first time I've seen you in here. I'm not really into the bar scene. Joe turned away. Huh, Travis replied. The two sat in silence, each sipping their beer. My mom was a drunk, you know, Joe said without turning. Travis opened his mouth, but Joe continued. A drunk who got herself stabbed to death by her no-good boyfriend the day after he got out of prison. Travis touched Joe's arm, drawing his attention. My mom left me with my granny when I was three days old. Then granny passed when I was seven. Thank God for Tilly, Joe said, holding his beer glass in the air. 
Amen to that, brother, Travis responded, tapping his glass with Joe's. Joe held his glass up in the air again. And while we're at it, thank God for Mickey, too, because my real dad is a real ass. I'm right there with you. Mickey's the best. They sat side by side, not speaking, until both had finished their drinks. Travis motioned to the bartender for another. He elbowed Joe. You need another one? Sure. Joe wobbled slightly on his stool. Travis peered closely at his friend, noticing for the first time the bloodshot eyes. Whoa, man, how many have you had? Hell, I don't know. What's the matter? Well, Joe, it's just, you know, you seem a little wasted, that's all. You're not driving, are you? No, of course not. I ain't got a car. Why would she be interested in me? Who? Who wouldn't be interested in you, Joe? Travis thumped his friend on the back and motioned to the bartender for a cup of coffee. If she's not interested in you, then she's crazy. Look at you, man. You're built better than half the guys at the station. You ain't got to have a car. Joe pushed the coffee away and stood. Travis, you got a girlfriend? He swayed slightly as he grabbed him by the shoulders. Yeah, man, she's a nurse over at the hospital. Travis blinked several times. She pretty? Yeah, man, she is, Travis smiled. What's her name? Yolanda. What? Say again? Joe scratched his head. Yolanda, Travis said patiently. Write it down, Joe said, pushing a bar napkin toward Travis, who took a pen from his pocket to comply. Joe peered closely at the name. Yolanda, did I say it right? He peered at Travis in the dim light. You got it. Yolanda, that's nice. He smiled and patted Travis on the back. Then he sat back down. Listen, Joe, Travis said, grabbing his arm to get his attention. Why don't you let me take you home? Joe nodded but sat, staring straight ahead and sipping his coffee, making no move to leave. He turned again to Travis. Did you fall in love with her at first sight, like Devlin did Tess? Travis shrugged his shoulders. Yeah, I guess. She's my girl, you know. You gonna marry her? Joe asked with a teasing smile. Well, now, it's a little early for that. We've only been going out for a few months. Travis paused and looked off over Joe's shoulder before continuing. Maybe. I don't know. Part of me could see that. Why are you asking me all this stuff, Joe? You got a girl? Joe peered at Travis and then burst into an odd grin. Yeah, well, see, there is this girl. There usually is in cases like this, Travis chuckled. Yeah, well, there's this girl, see. I fell in love with her the first time I ever saw her. She's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And smart. God, she's so smart. But the thing is, the thing is, she's out with some other guy right now. Shit. Sorry, man. Joe shook his head. He's all handsome and smart, and he's a cop just like her dad, and he's got a slick car, and he ain't deaf, you know? How am I going to compete with that, Travis? She wouldn't want me. I'm damaged goods. Joe, you can't think like that. You got lots of good things going for you. Yeah, sure, Joe snorted. Tilly says God put good in everybody, Travis said emphatically. God forgot about me, Joe waved his hand dismissively. Travis gripped Joe's arm tightly. No, Joe, you're wrong. Seriously. Joe snorted. Think about it. 
I've got a drunk, dead mother and a father who never wanted me and kicked me out of the house the first chance he got. And don't forget, I'm deaf as a doorknob. You may be deaf, but you hear better than most people. You hear what people feel, not just what they say. The silence between them was sudden and complete. Joe stared at Travis and then shifted, looking into his coffee. When he finally turned to speak again, his voice was husky. Shit, Travis, that's about the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Travis held up his beer. Here's to Joe Halliday, the man with the best hearing on the planet. Joe touched his coffee cup with Travis's beer. So tell me this, Mr. Smart Guy, how am I going to get my girl? Well, you just gotta, you know, be patient. Joe waited for a moment and then said, Patient? That's your advice? Yep, Travis grinned. Be patient. Joe shook his head and grinned too. Patient? Really? That's it? You really suck at giving advice. Travis stood up and helped Joe off the stool. He slapped a few bills on the bar and waved across the room to his friends from the fire station. Come on, I gotta get you home. The two men left the bar and stepped into the cold night air. It was more than a few blocks to the old house where Joe lived, but they walked in comfortable silence, hands jammed in their pockets. The chill seemed to help sober Joe up. On the porch, he turned to Travis. It's Jenny, he confessed. Jenny? Jenny O'Quinn. I fell in love with her the moment I saw her. Joe shook his head as he dug in his pocket for his keys. It was a long time ago, but hell, what can I say? I fell, and I fell hard. He shrugged, the keys now dangling from his hand. Travis smiled as he helped Joe find the right key and open the front door. As Joe stepped across the threshold, Travis reached out and touched his friend's arm, then waited for him to turn. I know it's Jenny. You can hear, but I can see. Hell, anybody could, just by the way you look at her. She'll see it soon, I swear. It's like I said, you just gotta be patient. That concludes this week's chapter of Someone to Watch Over Me. Thank you for listening. Find out what happens next. Please come back for episode 128 of Wait a Week Mystery or visit jcbodden.com to order the book. Either way, I hope your wait is a happy one.